and we have a new WWE Universal Champion. Check, I've got my, I've got my mic muted, I haven't. Uh, hello and welcome to LOP Radio Aftershock 4 WWE Payback 2020. Oh, just one week after SummerSlam, immediately following WWE Payback, uh, live from the Thunderdome, it's, I guess, the second biggest party of the summer. <laughs> it's Payback. Uh, payback's a pay-per-view. And we have our brand new Universal Champion, quite a few people called it. What are your thoughts? Send them in, send them in the chat, send them in to me on Twitter if you're not listening uh, live as well which is the course for LP Radio. I keep going live, even though most reviewers aren't live. <laughs> Listeners aren't live, sorry. <laughs> but still, hit me up on Twitter at the Damien Blackout, put in the column, comments on Laws of Pain or whatever. What are your thoughts on this? Because this is quite, I'm assuming, might be divisive, the way they've done this, in terms of the Universal Champion winning out. I'm just going to scroll down so I've got the right point in my notes. But it's quite an interesting way of doing it, especially with real life coming into play. So I feel like this is where this will clash. Real life, I'm just going to check something. Just check over. In real life, Roman Reigns obviously didn't turn up for WWE for all of the COVID era for legitimate reasons of his wife giving birth very, very recently. It makes sense. And I, understand, and I kind of get the feeling that a lot of people will kind of be fine with that. I'm personally fine with that. And it, as, I don't know if we phrase that. They're obviously fine with his wife giving birth. I've missed out an entire sentence. <laughs> his context. Sentence being, Roman Reigns comes out in this match and then just spears right at the end wins. That's essentially what happened. And there were rumours that was going to happen. Uh, Brian Alvarez, the wrestling observer, like before the show was like, there's a chance this is going to happen. And a lot of other people kind of just saw that and went, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, given real-life context of the fact we are still in a pandemic, that, that's not gone away because we're bored of it. <laughs> it's still a thing. And that obviously does affect massive things like this. And Roman Reigns has returned. But Roman Reigns is, you know, still very aware we're in a pandemic and therefore pretty cautious about stuff. And the workaround appears to be having contact with as few people as possible. So if you're going to have him have as little contact as possible, sure, yeah, why not? Why not go with that? And first comment, uh, Jennifer Thompson, love how the main event played out. Me, yeah, personally, I'm in that camp. I'm with Jennifer. I'm with this first kind of, I'll call it the real world look. <laughs> Taking it in. And it's like, yeah, I like how that played out. It, I, I personally like the Fiends and Strowman brawls. They're to, I'll call them old school, but what I mean is it's two big lads having a big boy brawl. <laughs> Just to give it a simple alliteration. That's what it is for me. And I love those balls. I feel, as I feel the old school, they're pre this era, I would say maybe 2000s, Astrid era esque kind of brawly stuff. And yeah, I'm fine with them. Like, I enjoy them. I don't need everything to be a full on, you know, <laughs> full on extreme, like Kenny Omega, Kazuchi Okada, because, you know, I've got Kenny Omega, Kazuchi Okada. I'm still watching New Japan. New Japan is still my numero uno. But. Uh, yeah, I like this. They're like sport, I was thoroughly sports entertained <laughs> with that main event. Uh, and Roman Reigns at the end. And I can see the other side of it kind of being in a similar camp to before, where it's oh, Roman Reigns again, he just comes out and wins. The saving grace, though, is doing it this time not as an out-and-out clear top guy babyface. I like that. 
<laughs> for me, that saves it from like the normal criticisms you would normally give it to where we're at now. The normal criticism of it's just the Roman Reigns kind of push thing again. But now we're at that point where because he's a heel, or maybe is he a heel? He's just he's not. He's at least he's not clearly a babyface. So it murks the waters a little bit, and that makes it a lot easier to digest. So that even it's something like this. So which way does it go? <laughs> it does, it, it, for me, this is like so important on the follow-up because this first week, it's been. This is like one act. This is still like the prologue, essentially. Roman Reigns returns, hit the spear. Then he does this with Paul Heyman. Now we can get into the actual story, what they're going to do with it. Uh, and this was the end of the prologue. I don't really know what to say about it because it's so short, it's so quick, there's not really much to digest. <laughs> he turned up, hit the spear, won the title. Assumably, this will divide quite a lot of people in how they take it. Uh, I've so far only seen positives, but again, I've looked at Twitter for maybe hot, like 10 seconds and before I was like, I've got to get this show live <laughs> just to get it out. Uh, I guess a little bit of the curse of doing this live show is I don't really know. For the main event, I don't always know like immediate Twitter feedback. I've just not had time to look at it because I've been getting everything ready. I've got a brand new light, guys. <laughs> it's shining at me. I'm so much clearer. It's incredible. It's just a light I've done. Uh, anyway, none of you care about that. <laughs> but I can see it may divide. Uh, let's just see. Uh, there's overall feelings about the pay-per-view as well. Uh, Ed Dead. Enhancement pay-per-view. Uh, they win at the tiny pay-per-view, but when like Mania or Rumbles come, uh, Big E, Keith and Matt will likely lose. And that, for me, has been like a big pattern in the past. The you see that big debut, or the, or I guess close enough, Kevin Owens, where he does get wins over John Cena, but John Cena wins the feud. I mean, that was of that era. That happened all the time in that era. It didn't. Like Rusev was another one. Like even when the work between them was great, which John Cena entered that kind of, especially that United States Championship run. Where like all of his matches were just so damn good, <laughs> he was having such a fantastic run. Uh, but he didn't. In the end, he didn't really put anyone over. He got he elevated them. I guess it's the it's a difference between elevating and putting them over because obviously they were made to feel important upon arrival. Same with Rusev. Uh, but they lost the feud. So yes, they got elevated, but only to a certain point when they could have been made a star. Keith Lee, I felt like was kind of made a star. Matt Riddle, he got Matt Riddle's in the Baron Corbin match. That that doesn't count. <laughs> that's that's the new arrival or new returnee faces boring heel. He's got the Dolph Ziggler pro. It's essentially the Dolph Ziggler debut where you just face this n nothing entity which you're going to beat. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Big E feels different. You know, I guess we'll get to that when I get to. I get into more detail once I get into the individual matches. But for me, Matt Riddle feels different. Purely because uh, it's the way he's being built, and his big story isn't with Sheamus. I feel like it's with The Miz, and I feel like Big E is kind of like it's. It's like they're using the experience from The Miz and Daniel Bryan and talk us last time, and using that to build something for Big E here. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we get a Big E Miz match built up all the way to WrestleMania. Like really use it on purpose. Do this. Uh, Again, I don't know if stuff gets cut out because The Miz, if I'm right, isn't going to be on Talking Smack as a normal host anymore because Xavier Woods is finally starting. I love the reports on that. <laughs> it's like, Xavier Woods set to start on Talking Smack and everybody was like fully pumped and aware of it and uh, everybody aware. Apart from Xavier Woods. <laughs> it was like, wait, what? <laughs> Just, I love that. <laughs> Just that point of, like, 
you can have to give me notice, guys. <laughs> type of thing. Um, yeah, I love that story. Anyway, the main event. I'm going to run through what happened in the main event, leading to the Roman Reigns win. Which, again, I'm expecting to divide, even though I've not seen the results. And I'm expecting a lot of the reasoning for that divide will be because of, I guess... A lot of the same resentment that's stayed with Roman Reigns throughout the entirety of his career because of those first two years where they just really didn't know what they were doing with him. And the past couple of years, they've done a lot better. And this by far feels the best. But it's only been a week. <laughs> so wait and see. We've had this before when Reigns has hit an amazing vein. And it's like, he's like, right, just, make, just mine this vein. You're WWE. You're really good at mining vein of, like, veins of gold dry. Do that here. <laughs> and then they've just not done it. Uh, case in point, after the, he defeated The Undertaker, he felt absolutely amazing that next night on Raw. Only kind of ran with it. And it's like, oh, that sucks. Same after previous WrestleMania with his feud with AJ Styles. They kind of ran with it, but only to a point and then he changed his character again. Just pick a character and stick with it. It's kind of been my kind of thing with this. And last year, I felt like that he got his character kind of right. But the feuds he was in were absolutely awful. The storylines he was taking part in were absolutely just horrific stuff. <laughs> like, bottom of the barrel. Just crap writing. Maybe just like, thinking it, think about it just too much. Even though his actual character had been nailed to the point where I felt like, right, now he can actually win the Royal Rumble. Probably because he has, and of course he was the final guy against Roman Reigns, and apparently he came quite close I think it was like Reigns, McIntyre, and I think Alistair Black for some reason, because Paul Heyman was in charge back then, and Drew McIntyre, Alistair Black are his two big pushes. Uh, good to see McIntyre's like, <laughs> really worked out. <laughs> There's a major plus for this year. But they've kind of, with Roman Reigns, I feel like they've relatively got the character down. But this is such a big kind of shift from what he was doing. I'll wait and see the, the consistency of it, because that's my big worry. What is the consistency of this? Because WWE are not off sometimes pretty bad at just shifting things about and trying to, like, oh, we've got to get him over in this way or that way, and they keep shifting it, trying to make it happen, rather than just sticking with character. I mean, if a character show tries to show all of the character traits in the world to try and be relatable, they ends up having none. He ends up being not relatable like this in any way. Uh, but here, it seems like he's... Because I saw a lot of... Reports they're saying Roman Reigns has turned heel. Roman Reigns is a flat out a bad guy now, as he's aligned with Paul Heyman. Uh, personally, I've not seen it as that. I've seen it as more like, especially with Sasha Banks Bailey as well. It feels more like they've taken notes from AEW. To be fair, it was something I'm assuming that so many people have been singing in WWE for so many years that can be more than just this simple black and white three week story thing. Uh, Banks and Bailey proving that, and Roman Reigns here. It didn't feel... Uh, for me, it wasn't he was turning heel. It was he got character. And that carried on here. Like he, He's been getting a character. He's not been necessarily definite bad guy, definite good guy, kind of leaning one way or the other. So, no. like He's actually got a character now, and that's what this is. It's the badass Roman Reigns character that I've wanted... Ever since that Undertaker promo, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, badass Roman Reigns, where he just walks out, says, this is my yard now, walks out as the crowd boos. Love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do that. Oh, it's just a shame. Uh, that it's about consistency. So this week, I think they've nailed. They've done it. SummerSlam, great. Uh, Friday Night Smackdown, also great. This, short, sweet, hit the point after your main event brawl. 
uh, which is, again I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I loved it. Uh, it's, it's, anyway, let's go through the match of what actually happened. First off, the Fiend's entrance is so amazing, and WWE knew exactly how much I would be distracted. <laughs> so Strowman can run in and attack the Fiend, and like as I was just talking about with Roman, if you're going to have Roman wreck and leave. Hey, at least paint it like this, with uh, chaos all over the place after Braun causes a ruckus. Uh, Strowman and the Fiend go full big boy with, from the off. <laughs> Sister Abigail like right away and going for the pin. Uh, after that, fail go straight to the announce table spot. <laughs> straight to the announce table it is. Uh, like No downtime in this, just a pure, full-on brawl from like bit to bit to bit. Uh, random shot of Bray looking up as we cut to Alexa Bliss twirling her dreadlock, they're going all in in that. It wasn't just a, you'll see these separate stories playing out. It's like, nope, from the get-go these are going to be interweaving. Interweaving, that's a, is that a dreadlock pun? <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, the Fiend pulls that huge mallet out from under the ring. Braun launches a chair at him. It's like, ah, the lols these two have. <laughs> uh, Wyatt knocks Big Braun down hard with the mallet, and then he just like screams out like a maddened creature after doing so, just like hands over his face. I was like, oh. again, I like this about the character. And uh, yeah, the, the, the steps two as we go uh, get to another Alexa Bliss shots. Like these two flat out having another complete brawl after last week's similar happenings. Just repeat the madness, do different spots and things, but it's the same kind of feeling of the match. Like on the stage, a brawl fights back, uh, and then in the end, charging through wire as they both go flying and crash through a table that was stage side. Uh, the big boy brawl continues to the ring. A brawl goes to fly from the top rope, but the Fiend cuts him off and superplexes him onto the ring, which collapses upon impact. Uh, the referee immediately goes toppling over the top rope. <laughs> and they did that, if I'm right, they did that the last time they did this spot. I think it might have just been Big Show Strowman, just in a random Raw match, where Big Show and Strowman were having a quite, quite a decent run. And then they did that spot, and the, the, it's just the referee just always... In the ring exploding spot, watch the referee. Because <laughs> they do the big, like, they've been forced up into the air. It's like, whoa, just flying over the top rope. Uh, it makes me laugh every time. I look for it every time now. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Uh, I know it ruins the spot. Because <laughs> you, you might be looking at the carnage, you know, of the wrestlers themselves. And there's nothing left in the ring. But those, they're two huge, humongous bodies amongst the wreckage surrounding them. Uh, but I, I'm just laughing at the ref. <laughs> anyway... Then Roman Reigns' music hits. Uh, we was talk of will we get a new theme tune, theme tune, new entrance theme. Will we get a new kind of ring gear for him? Technically, the ring gear wasn't elaborated upon. I guess I put it like that. It was is it new ring gear? Well, he's wearing the same outfit we've seen him in so far. Well, it's just the t-shirt over his normal baggy trousers. Baggy trousers. Americans won't get that. <laughs> so, I wouldn't say he got a new outfit per se or ring gear. I would just say it's not been elaborated upon from Sunday. It's only been a week. Let's not go crazy, guys. Uh, or it's just the idea as well of minimal contact. You wear a t-shirt. You're not going shoulder to shoulder. M minor details in these sort of things, which uh, kind of just lead into oh, into reality of like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. I'm, therefore, I'm fine with it. It's like it's a little, I guess, a little small, I guess, character quality knock. But in terms of real life understandability, it's like, yeah, I get it. I understand why. Uh, but yes, straight in there, 
Like, nice to know WWE don't have sign-by clauses in their contracts. <laughs> like, sign by this date. It's like, oh, take as long as you want, mate. <laughs> it's all right. Drinks on me. Like, he tries to immediately pin Wyatt, but the Fiend kicks out. Uh, the steel chair doesn't keep the champion down either. Mandible claw! Uh, Reigns shrugs him off. The Fiend crashes right to the outside because there's no ring ropes because the whole ring's collapsed. Uh, Braun finally rises and Reigns to straightway hits him with the spear for the win. And we win the Universal Championship. We have a new WWE Universal Champion. And it's Roman Reigns. They've got, and uh, over the commentary, they were saying he wins back the championship that he never lost. Which means I was like, oh, Goldberg was champion though. Oh, wait, no, they mean obviously when he got leukemia. Like, okay, calling back to that, that's fine. And Michael, so it was like Michael Cole was cheering the achievement whilst also then going to the other side of what, but the way that he did it with Paul Heyman, it wasn't exactly, you know, hero kind of actions that we proclaim Roman Reigns for all the time. Uh, and but Corey Graves kind of kind of shrugs it off, and that's more heelish in a way. But uh, the way that Michael Cole did it for me, in terms of is he definitely face, is he definitely here for me, heel for me that he straddled that line pretty well in terms of letting us the audience know that he's not exactly either. He's, he's I guess at the moment he's leaning a bit more heelish, which helps with the kind of actions that he's doing. But he's got character. So and I think Cole, not full-on going, is definitely a heel rather than questioning his actions. Like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yes, questioning, questioning his actions rather than full-on calling him out on them. Because with the heels, the babyface commentators are like, oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. Oh, I hate him, I hate him. <laughs> that sort of thing. It's like, oh, he's such an evil person. It's like, they're not really doing that. It's more Michael Cole raising the question and bringing it to light rather than full-on just going in on him. I really liked it. <laughs> and it says something when like my Twitter feed again I do curate my Twitter feed so it has reached a point where even if I see criticism it's not being like arsey about it uh, but yeah it was mostly positive maybe only like one or two people like quite a few people calling like yeah I want Reigns to win like this is interesting uh, there is the risk that the reason that's true is because there's kind of a how do I explain it uh, this is me again looking a bit on the outside because then WWE are not my number one promotion. I guess I'd put it as it's as New Japan for Wrestling, then AEW and WWE just kind of rotate at the moment. Like going into SummerSlam, I'd say WWE was the one I was paying most attention to ahead of AEW, but now SummerSlam's done and we're going to All Out. Now AEW is above WWE. Like, <laughs> that goes in a rotation. But New Japan's always my number one. Point being, there's kind of a thing sometimes with WWE where interesting thing happens and I've been caught up in it myself where suddenly the whole fan base gets really behind a thing and it's like oh this is awesome this is amazing you've got to do you've got to run with this it's amazing but the risk that's happening there is the fan base is it actually good and do they actually genuinely love it or is it oh my god thing happening and that kind of creates excitement because there's a genuine uh, this has been an issue, I guess, majorly across this decade, and it, I feel like it's gotten worse and worse, especially in this 2015 era where it's just so much stuff for onwards, where so much stuff had thrown at the wall that you got very little consistency. So when suddenly something interesting happened in the world, you're like, "Oh, interesting thing!" and really jumped in on it. Uh, I'm a bit. There's always that worry that this is that, but again, first week so far. 
I wouldn't say uh, fans joining WWE going all in Roman Reigns feels like that. I would say it feels like for th- three shows in a row, they've nailed each night in terms of his character. They've built on it really well. For me, he's not clearly a heel. He's just getting some interesting character, and this is what I've wanted all along. <laughs> I've never... For me, I've always said the issue isn't he needs to turn heel. The issue is he needs a bloody character. Like, flipping stick with something. <laughs> and if they're going to do that here, then yeah, I don't care if he's face or heel. If they stick with something and they go with it, but yes, also, uh, again, I felt like they did that last year, but they then put him in absolutely awful storylines. <laughs> Two years in a row. 2018-2019. He was great. His feuds were bottom tier. The like Some of the worst stuff I've seen. <laughs> like, really bad. Was it past two years? I, I can't remember. Who attacked Roman Reigns followed by the King Corbin thing is what I'm trying to say, but I can't remember. If they were the same year, oh dear. <laughs> there might have been, you know. Yeah, he had to be on SmackDown. They were both 2019. Like, back-to-back, horrific. <laughs> Midland stuff for me. Like, really not my cup of tea. Uh, couldn't stand either of those feuds. At least the Corbin one wasn't as blatantly written week to week with no idea where it was going and hope, hoping they'll fall on something, I guess. Or they had an idea, just no idea how to get there. And then obviously when you're making it up as you go along, you then don't make it to the place you're going because you've got no arc to get there. You end up somewhere else, which they did with Eric Rowan. They just pit it out. <laughs> so, okay, cool. But if this has got direction, if this has got actual, like, kind of, stuff behind it for Roman Reigns if you can use Paul Heyman so he's not there every week and you kind of play up to that when you see Roman Reigns it's a big deal you use the Covid circumstances to your best I guess that's my way to put it and yeah that's my thoughts on it <laughs> let's move on him I've been I feel like I could stay on that point for a little bit longer so Roman Reigns I've got a lot of kind of built up thing of just like yeah like his character's actually been good for quite a while that's not been the issue <laughs> he said that he's never needed to turn heel it's been like a bit more like, I guess simple than that <laughs> it's not even uh, that complex anyway now I'm going to go through the card in order from the United States Championship all the way to the penultimate match of the Mysterios versus Rollins and Murphy first I'm going to take a sip of my pint of water because it's 3am Did I drink, need to drink half of it? Probably not. <laughs> but there we go. You've watched that on there. So, the first match of the night, the United States Championship, Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley, who was joined by MVP and Shelton Benjamin. A decent opener. Nice to see the US Championship on the card after it's been such a feature in WWE. For it to end up on the pre-show twice is like, uh, I say WWE, I meant Raw. It's been such a heavy feature on Raw. The Hurt Business as well have been such a vital part of that show and they've been one of the best things about it. Obviously outside of the Banks-Bailey-Asker stuff. Like outside of that, like the Hurt Business have been fantastic. MVP in an absolute career... <laughs> just rena- renaissance. An MVP... Oh, a porté renaissance. <laughs> it just really... like He's hit an amazing stride. His promos every single week delivering. The way he's interacting with the rest of the roster, absolutely fantastic. He's building them up whilst also going where you're going to pay the consequences then. It's like, oh, yes, you're nailing your role. I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. And just such good to the roster, uh, how he's doing that. Um, obviously, the actual kind of booking of the people afterwards, out of his control, but he's nailing his bit. In this match, it was a 
decent opener. Not one I'll be able to recall any part of in a few days, but decent enough. Which will be a running theme for this pay-per-view, like especially the first three matches. Three or four matches, unfortunately. Like, decent, but I'm not going to remember any of it. So, unfortunately, forgettable. So, yeah, uh, Lasher's out with his Hurt Business partners. Like, sure, yeah, he just came out for some front row seats of the action. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Cruz utilising his athleticism uh, to best the much more powerful competitor, trying to fight out from Lashley grounding him down. Uh, he got launched across the ring, slammed down hard, like Cruz was really having to kick his way back in. And that's what he used quite a lot, the jump-up kick, Enzigiri type thing. Uh, then hit as long... Uh, then hit as long a string as... Uh, I can't say it. And then hit a as long a string of offence as possible. I'm going too fast, that's probably it. <laughs> Later in the match, able to hype into using his own strength. Uh, Cruz may be hitting his standing moonsault, but he was also able to throw Lashley back with a couple German suplexes. Uh, Lashley himself in danger now. Cruz really swinging momentum and forcing the challenger to use all his power to slam the champ up down high. Uh, then, no hesitation, right into the full Nelson. Lashley falls to the ground. Cruz is trapped, stuck in the hold, and he taps. Uh, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley, the new United States champion, MVP, it grabs a ringside cameraman, forces him to take their photo posing in the ring. Then when the photos are taken, they show up on screen with the stock photo sound and an actual photograph, uh, photograph graphic. <laughs> it, was like, it was weird, but it was also, it fit the kind of jokey nature of what the Hurt Business were doing and the photos of them from the angles were cool enough. Yeah, yeah. An, an, an interesting mix of, well, this is strange and a bit odd, uh, the stock photo sound. <laughs> Again, if you don't know that's a stock photo sound, yeah, that's fine, go with it. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, it's like hearing, hearing the, that scream that's in every movie as a guy gets chucked off the cliff. Like, ah! Can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's like that. It's a stock photo sound. Uh, but yeah, Lashley's the new champion. Uh, Cruz attacks from behind. Uh, to the outside, he goes shouting at the trio, claiming he'll get that title back. A little bit odd, that bit. Like, Given he lost clean and then attacked from behind, like Cruz's music plays to end the segment, but yeah, not exactly a baby faced night for the former champion. Like losing clean, may I add? Like even like, Cruz jumped at him after the match to kind of get his heat back, but Cruz, the baby face, he just lost clean. The hurt business hardly got involved. He just lost, <laughs> and then he lashes out and attacks Lashley. So, but he didn't do. He didn't really do a heel thing, Lashley. He just beat him, and then Cruz has lashed out at him. It's like, hmm, interesting little thing, I guess. <laughs> that, that's, that's really all my notes on that. Uh, I did, Again, didn't find the match super memorable or anything massive happened in it, but it moves things on relatively nicely for the Hurt Business, whilst making me kind of question the people not in the Hurt Business. Like, uh, what do they actually have a plan for them? <laughs> that is, MVP, whenever I see MVP, I feel like, no, there is a plan here of like the people not like the other people they're fighting like thinking no maybe I should join the Hurt Business like maybe they, I really should but then I watch this and it's kind of like oh I'm just a bit confused <laughs> oh, I'll wait and see I say that a lot of WWE we'll, we'll wait and see like do they actually build on it or just drop it <laughs> yeah, see what goes on uh, backstage Kayla outside Roman's room Heyman walks in she asks if Roman signed the contract he says Roman did say he would, so he believes he will. Then walks back, walks into the training room, and I'm like, 
Oh, so the angle tonight is he's not signed. Uh, I think Alvarez might be right. <laughs> so as soon as I've watched that, I was like, uh, we're not getting a triple threat tonight. We're getting a singles match. Then Roman runs in and wins the title. Uh, so that, this was the moment for me. Like, if you're trying to kind of hide that from the fans, trying to throw us off the scent, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have included these segments. But then again, it would have felt maybe a bit off if you then do the same thing without building up to it. So at least the world you'd set up was, you had set up for this to happen. So, yeah. uh, Keith Lee is in his locker room. Uh, JBL walks in and offers him an entry into his hedge fund for the low price of $1 million. Uh, Keith Lee says he doesn't have that kind of money. Uh, Layfield uh, tells him not to worry. If he wins tonight, it won't be long till he is. But if he loses, uh, don't fret it, Keith. Like Randy's one of the best ever. Like, don't you feel bad that you lost to Randy Orton? Uh, I-, I like that. <laughs> it is very set up. Uh, it was a bit funny watching Keithy do the uh, "You're you are a legend" exposition, but like everyone in WWE does that. So yeah, Wilhelm scream, thank you, Ed Dead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> yes, uh, that's it. That's what the photo sound was for me. Just it's just a stock noise that's used for everything whenever you want to do a thing. Uh, match number two of the night: a uh, Big E versus. Brad Pitt from Snatch, or is it Seamus? <laughs> Big E's been talk, been the talking smack standout so far in his segments with The Miz, and uh, like, oh, it's great to have that show back. Like, immediately showing us why it was such a great addition to the product. And tonight, uh, a stage for Big E to showcase exactly what he's been talking about and building to on Friday nights. Uh, like, once again, fighting through the offense of a former world champion in Seamus. Like, someone who hasn't exactly been on fire since his return, uh, taking on the fight to Jeff Hardy and ultimately losing the feud, uh, now struggling against the quickly rising New Day man. Like, yeah, like, talking smack, it's great to have that back. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where, even if SmackDown sucks, smack, uh, talking smack always gave you some character stuff to use to play off, because it felt like it was totally the performance themselves. Even if they went on with notes or something, we wanted to just make sure you address this. Uh, yeah, and I felt like the first week was a little bit like maybe The Miz went a bit too far in trying to be the, I forgot what it's called, like devil's advocate and came across as a bit of a, oh, what's the phrase? What is it? Because it's quite the complex thing. But it's the the person who's not, real, not listening to what is being said by black people right now. Uh, I can't think of the word. Oh, let's just say just, it was somebody just being a bit blind to what's happening and saying, yeah, what about isms, I guess, in a way. But I did this, but I did that. Uh, you just have to work hard, have to do this, whilst completely ignoring what they're saying in terms of the struggles they have to fight through in terms of opportunities. Uh, this week, on Talking Smack, I felt Miz got the balance perfectly. As in, he's being the devil's advocate, he's still being the heel. They're still building to something between Big E and The Miz, which I feel like is... With payback, this was just building Big E to then get to that feud, like backing up his words, essentially. Then he can get to Big E versus The Miz. And I felt this week The Miz did really well. The balance was much, much better. He's playing the devil's advocate, coming across as a heel, whilst also it came across like he was at least listening to what Big E was saying. And his responses were like taking that on board a bit more. And he gave Big E time to speak, uh, which was a bit of an issue in the first one. Uh, again, bit of a shame that Xavier Woods is now coming back. <laughs> so you're not going to get these interactions in the same way. I genuinely really liked uh, what they were doing here. 
continue to build that. But this match was capitalising on that and continuing the push of Big E. Uh, Sheamus was seemingly a knock to Taz in this. Like, take, he's taken an extra second to compose himself a couple of times. Uh, the match was still decent, though. Uh, the commentators making sure to note when Big E would do a little dance or something and then paid the price for it. Like, Sheamus would then lock in a hold or something. Uh, Sheamus wrestling the veteran style, capitalising on every small moment that showed itself. Uh, Big E hyping up more as the match went on. Uh, the spear through the ropes, he was able to nail it the second time. Uh, really swung the match. Uh, but Sheamus had worked the knee the whole time as well causing one massive weak point to target in a desperate moment later on. Uh, doing just that to avoid the big E, the big E ending, the big ending, and lock in a knee bar to attempt some real damage, uh, shortly after perfectly setting for the bro kick. But big E caught and power bombed him from up high, uh, followed up by the big ending, one, two, three, and the big E train rolls on. Another... Fine match that progressed things nicely, that advanced a character, especially a new character in Big E in terms of like a singles rising star. Uh, but so far, neither match has been particularly memorable. But hey, like that's not the worst thing in the world for what is essentially a three-match card with a load of filler that would normally just be on the telly. Like this match, this was, match was on the telly, <laughs> and they repeated it for this pay-per-view. Uh, and by three-match card, I mean the tag titles match, Keith Lee, Randy Orton, and the main event. Uh, the rest of it felt a bit like TV quality filler. And uh, J. Cool on Twitter, uh, the guy I had on my NXT review uh, earlier this week, he, or the uh, NXT, he's the NXT columnist at Laws of Pain. He made quite the good assessment of, oh, so, so this pay-per-view's been like Tuesday in Texas then. It's like, yes, <laughs> that is it. Like the, the card with the one match, the one big match at the end, which is the real reason the show exists, but you've got to fill the rest of the card with something. Uh, I feel like at least this is a little bit better in that vein <laughs> than Tuesday Texas was. Again, according back to a show reaching 30 years ago. That's right, 1990 was 30 years ago. <laughs> but the... Uh, the what's image? Yeah, the rest of this card was at least establishing new stars and building them up a bit. It gave TV time to build them up. Which you can reap those rewards down the line, even if on the night, yeah, a bit of a card full of TV matches. Uh, not, I'm not going to remember. It's one of those where I'm going to be thankful these moments were there to build them up, even if I'm not going to remember any of it. And I've just realised this entire time have had all of the images all set. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Cruz Lashley. Oh, look at that. Big E Sheamus or Brad Pitt. Which one is it? <laughs> it's got all the all of them. Aren't they cool to remember that half an hour into the show? <laughs> they got all the pictures ready. Well, let's use this to signify the next one. It's Matt Riddle, Baron Corbin. There we bloody go. Right, I can't always look at everything at the same time. So, uh, before we got to that match, though, we got an interview with a new interviewer. Mr. Name was busy catching up on the match previously. Uh, in the interview ring, I love the interview ring, totally in for it. <laughs> so much better than the, just the TV stand set up. I, I generally like the interview ring. It's a little bit, a little bit cheesy, but, but I, I, it's wrestling. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Uh, in the interview ring with Matt Riddle, uh, she brings up Corbin's tweet. And this was very divisive. Uh, tonight I'll prove Riddle's a failure in the ring. Uh, by the way, he's already proven he's a failure at home. Riddle, who was kind of smiling and talking about how confident and happy he is to be wrestling on a pay-per-view and how he's going to be beating Baron Corbin or King Corbin. Uh, but that the interviewer bringing up that tweet, Riddle loses his smile and then he walks off. like Immediately to the match as well. 
Like, hmm. The reaction online was essentially saying, we're not sure working a sexual assault allegation into storyline is exactly the right move here. Hmm. Right. <sighs> and that's, I feel that's the best way to put, like, the full-on emotions to this. It's like, even if you're pretty certain he didn't do it, it's still at that point where it's not been long enough where it's still in, it, an allegation's been given. It's the Velveteen Dream thing. It's too soon to be doing it. Wait a bit longer. Uh, yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm still struggling to get into the Matt Riddle matches. And now somebody who was a massive fan of him from the indie days, but seeing but seeing him on SmackDown whilst his allegations are still pretty recent and people and now featuring them on television in a way of trying to incorporate so like for me the move isn't to incorporate them to kind of mix real life with this right now yeah, obviously you can do it with some stuff but this isn't the thing because I don't I still this is like the second thing that's made me think are WWE really taking this seriously because the rest of the industry really is or by at least the push for it is where like just to really take you seriously kind of drain out a lot of those kind of people but this is the second person now where they've kind of just incorporated it into the thing well it didn't incorporate with Elton Dream but it's just kind of tried to brush it aside without really addressing it Matt Riddle got addressed a lot more than Dream did like his situation is nowhere near as bad I'll, I'll at least say that he was addressed and PR wise handled a hell of a lot better but it's still recent so to then include it in the storyline to kind of have Baron, uh, King Corbin poking holes in this babyface character, don't forget that bit. <laughs> just like, it's not just adultery that's being said here. Like, yes, there was adultery, and that's kind of what Baron Corbin's poking at. But the allegations are more than that. So it feels weird. Uh, anyway, moving on to uh, Nijax and Baszler were not exactly pleasant with their pre-match chit-chat, <laughs> as Baszler was putting it. Uh, I liked their chances for winning after watching that, though. That's like, oh, it feels like the note they're going to be taking. Uh, so, Baron Corbin versus Matt Riddle. Uh, as I've moaned about what they're doing <laughs> with the Matt Riddle thing, and I can totally understand why it is divisive. I was able to go get into the match. Relatively. Like I've been saying that I've been struggling to get into Riddle, but I feel like this is the match of face that I was able to get into the most, which... Maybe that says something about how little I've been able to get into the others. <laughs> that this is the one that I've put at my peak. Uh, yeah, Corbin in full royal mode, royal mode, coming down with his people holding him on his throne. Uh, Matt Riddle with a look of seriousness written all over him. Although, uh, jumping into the ring to launch his flip-flops off to the pyro, uh, the king charges right at him and clobbers him down. Uh, a very broadly feel to this one. Corbin controlling after taking the cheap shot. Slamming the bro onto the announce table and wearing him down in the ring. Uh, Riddle trying to use his submission game to force Corbin back. Slowly working his way back in. Uh, locking in a rear choke. Corbin trying to slam him off. But Riddle just sat back up and locked in the choke again. The King really struggling to shake the former MMA man off. This would come back later. Uh, he was able to do so. But back to trying to wear the man down. Uh, Riddle was then able to get right back in with some stiff kicks. Uh, building up momentum and firing up, literally kicking the pace up, uh, making Corbin kick out of pins as well. Uh, the King countering back with the deep six, seemingly really growing in frustration. Uh, after the kick out, just pounding on the man, 
That slip in mentality would cost him, with Riddle able to ground him again and crash down from the top with the floating bro for the win. Uh, Matt Riddle defeats King Corbin, the commentators call it an upset, as I keep forgetting what Corbin's card position is. As I, uh, I just see him as a mid-card act. I generally forget that his feud with Reigns was meant to make him feel like a big deal. For me, it didn't. <laughs> I still see him as a mid-card guy. Um... We'll say, one thing I've left out of my notes a little bit is when I was saying Corbin controlling after taking the cheap shot or Corbin locked in the rear choke or Corbin was able to get back to wearing the man down. Each one of those segments felt really long. <laughs> so when I say I got into this Matt Riddle match, it did have the massive caveat of when Corbin was doing the Corbin wearing them down, I'm a heel, I'm wearing you down, I'm just sitting there bored. Uh, which, it's an odd one. That is the point where... His, he's not trying as a heel he's not trying to definitely entertain you like he's doing the headlock thing in a way to piss you off and it works it's just that I'm just sat there a bit bored but again I'm English and normally this would be my recovery weekend before All Out next week <laughs> but it's not my recovery weekend because I'll do bloody do payback <laughs> so they've got three weekends in a row where I'm up super late so uh, does, damn you WWE <laughs> you had to do this show to get the title on Roman Reigns immediately uh. but yeah so afterwards Riddle gets interviewed about how great the win feels Corbin strikes attacking Riddle and slamming him through a table covered in fruit ah oh, poor Riddle like how quickly, <laughs> how quickly did Corbin get backstage after taking McMiddle's finisher? He was then able to blindside from Gorilla. So not even from the entranceway, from Gorilla. <laughs> it was a, that's an interesting recovery speed right there. Like, I think one advert and he's there ahead of Matt Riddle. Uh, an interesting one. Match number four. I see a message redacted in the chat, but that means I can't address it because <laughs> I can't see it. Uh, number four, a women's tag team championship. Banks and Bailey versus Beta and Jax. So this, we're into that point now. Penultimate match of the night for me to cover. It's one of the few, we get to the point where I actually care about them. Because those first three matches, as fine as they were, for me they were just TV kind of quality type of stuff. Like that's what made it feel like Tuesday Night at Texas, that's what it's called. <laughs> that's what made me feel like that, where the first three matches on this show, they built up guys, they moved things along, but like I didn't really find them like memorable in any way. I'm going to forget them after tonight. But they did their job. <laughs> yeah, again, that's why they felt like a TV match. That's what TV matches kind of are. Like You don't give everything away on television, you save that for the pay-per-view. But at the same time... Uh, to put that kind of match on pay-per-view. <laughs> An interesting idea. But that's what you get when you do a show a week out. Like, you can build... They built three matches really well. But then the other three were like built to a lack of TV quality and the matches to that same level. So, oh well. But Banks and Bailey versus Baszler and Jax. Uh, lots of Bs in that. A great promo package on the success of the Golden Role Models. Like, And they've been an absolute highlight in this lockdown era. And I thought that that package for them was great. <laughs> really uh, put them over really well. Like, but now in the Thunderdome and the commentators are finally calling on the looks and little actions between them. So I said in a previous podcast like months ago, I said I wouldn't deem their Fudor arc as legitimate as a thing that's definitely happening 
until commentary started talking about it. Because that's how WWE do their stories and presentation. If, do, if their commentators do not mention it, then it is not happening. Or that is not what they meant to get across. Or that was not what was in the script. <laughs> so now... Oh, yes, change the picture. <laughs> Thank you, chat. <laughs> Bang, there we go. I'm never going to remember that. So, the feud is now real. They are talking about it. Huzzah! <laughs> they are talking about it. Oh, so, that means this is definitely happening. Def it's definitely happening. Also, thank you, chat, for... I'm never going to remember to change the pick over time. Uh, but in WWE, an actual long arc. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ready for the rewards to be reaped. Uh, when you put in the work, this is what you get. Uh, do this more often, WWE. Like, I'm loving this arc so damn much. I will say, a little bit... Uh, 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 seeing uh, quite a few Twitter accounts going, God, what do you want? Like, you're getting long-term storytelling. You're getting new guys pushed. Is that, yeah, you're... It, it turns off as like, oh, why are you complaining? Well, they're doing the basics of what you really should be doing. It still has to be good. <laughs> like, you still have to then progress it past that. Like, yeah, they, these are good first steps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're starting... It, it turns out the Banks of Bailey Feud are now hit the trigger of we're definitely doing this. It felt like it's been going on for a little while of their little teas and things of just to make sure that you are definitely paying attention to it. I felt like that's what the Caleb Braxton interviews were for really like two months ago. Where she'd interview Banks and Bailey and go, oh, what about the tensions? And then it wouldn't really be mentioned that much kind of after that. But that means you as a viewer, you are paying attention now. Uh, maybe that's giving too much credit. But they are doing this now. Uh, and uh, before I move on to the actual play out of the match, uh, I'm right. <laughs> they don't talk about it. Uh, they are mumbling when they saw Alexa Bliss. Like, yeah, they when they do address it, that's it's, it's not a kind of criticism. That's that's just how they tell their stories. That's just how they do it. So for me, what, because that wasn't happening, I was like, well, I'm seeing Banks and Bailey do it, but Triple H did that all the time. Like he would kind of. Have looks and things, or in backstage segments and things that just made you think, oh, is he going to do a thing with that person? Like setting up a million different possible WrestleMania opponents kind of became a joke for him because he just kind of laid the groundwork and we can go with one of them. Um, that's a little Triple H trait, <laughs> just to happen. Uh, but obviously, when the commentators start talking about it, that's when it's legitimate because that means it's in the script, which is that means they're definitely going for it. Uh, but for the match itself, uh, Baszler and Jackson's teamwork on display right away as Shayna tags herself in. The champions in response controlling the early match. Uh, Jax getting knocked to the outside and clutching her knee probably didn't help the challengers much either. Uh, a nice throwback to Eddie with Banks hitting two of the three amigos before tagging Bailey in and hitting an awkward slam thing. Uh, all going swell for the champions until Nia Jax threw Sasha into, uh, in the ring to break up a pin. I love that spot. <laughs> Standing on the outside. Jax has been holding her knee, so she's been out for a while. And then, um, what's my jig? Bailey's going for a pin on Baszler when Jax just picks up Sasha and just throws her in. And Sasha contacting with the pin just breaks it up. <laughs> I love that spot. <laughs> it's a little thing. Uh, before then, slinging the champion again and again into the barricade, that's Sasha. Just destroying her. Some strong individual offense from the challengers. But the champions were working as a well-oiled machine, and that gave them such a consistent advantage. Uh, the two were able to ground the aggressive force of Jax, like, a lot more difficult to fight them both off. And they used that to their advantage. Like, for most of the match, there wasn't much dual offence between Jax and Baszler. 
but again, like individually, very strong. Uh, Baszler as well, running rough shot after tagging in. Uh, but Banks and Bailey's teamwork just swung the match right back into their favour. Uh, coming really close with a Banks frog splash to Nia and Bailey to Bailey to Shayna, uh, but only scoring a two. Uh, Baszler, really impressive, tagging in and locking both women in submission, locking the legs of Sasha before halting Bailey's save and spinning her into the Carafuda clutch. She falls back and both champions are trapped, uh, screaming in pain, and it's Bailey who taps out. Uh, new women's tag team champions, uh, and of course, no matter how impressive that win was for Baszler, the story moving on is about Bailey and Sasha. Bailey who tapped out and gave up the belts, and Sasha can use that as a bit of a well, you're the one who tapped out, when clearly Bailey was in quite agony as well. Like, I really, really like that. For me, this was the exact right beat for Banks and Bailey's story. Like, I really liked how there wasn't a major spat or like drama moment either. Which you, like, that's what I was expecting from WWE. Something would happen, and then one would walk off, or one would have a spit or spat. But they they just legit got caught and lost. Like no drama creating nonsense. <laughs> they genuinely just got bested by somebody who had an, ran an absolute fire in that ring. Shayna Baszler came out of the match like an absolute badass because that ending was absolutely fantastic and made her seem dangerous as hell. She took, she took down Banks and Bailey by herself, tapped and tapped out Bailey in the process. Uh, I won't say tap them both out because it was Bailey tap. Yeah, fantastic ending, and that means with Sasha Banks and Bailey, Bailey tapping out feels understandable. She wasn't giving up on the championships as much as she legitimately they got caught. And yes, and that creates a little bit of if it, if they WWE take notes from AEW's most applauded angle in Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, it's like yeah that's that's kind of what you do, like you make it to the point or even like with the Young Bucks getting involved in it as well. It's just that feeling where both guys, both sides of it, are both kind of right in <laughs> kind of being pissed off at the other. It's, it's understandable on both sides. And in the process, both sides also come across as a bit of a dick as well. Like, oh, that's, yes, both of you are coming across a bit heelish and a bit in the wrong, but both of you are also pretty strongly in the right as well. And so, oh, it's, it's a lot more. Because when, when AEW was saying we're going to do mature storylines, something like that, this is what they meant. Because yeah, they've done it before with AEW. I feel like Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega was like maybe like their pinnacle example, or Cody Rhodes' as uh, The Bullet Club is fine. Uh, maybe that one's not quite as uh, up in the mature thing because it's more standard wrestling storyline, but still. And Banks and Bailey feels like it's hitting a very similar vein. We'll see how it goes afterwards, but it's a lot of minor moments which would be understandable for the other person where, uh, where so I guess, the SmackDown commentary where Corey Graves was saying Bailey didn't try to help. And I was like, in the Asuka match where Sasha Banks lost, and I was like, this is a little bit for Clash where. The story you want it to be isn't 100% in line with what actually happened. Because Bailey did try a little bit, but she failed badly and didn't really put her all into trying. And it was a bit more understandable. Because again, tonight, where Bailey taps out and Sasha Banks will be like, you gave up the titles. Like, I, I wasn't going to tap, but you did. You lost me the championships. And she could say, you lost me both championships. But from Bailey's point of view... Like, tonight's loss was, like, legitimately they got caught and just lost. It was a bit more on the Bailey side. Uh, and she did try <laughs> at SummerSlam. Just Asuka was so good and took her down both times. Uh, and that kind of helps in both people being in the right and the wrong at the same time. 
and if WWE continue to build from it, I feel like this is the biggest note to take from AEW kind of jumping in, is just that. It's that in terms of in terms of building your stories, you can build it like that, and you don't need clear baby faces or heels. Because uh, if WWE is always kind of playing to like what the modern I guess television world is like, and going off what the other types of entertainment people are consuming, because that's what the Attitude Era kind of was, it fit into the era. Nowadays, we don't need clear good guys and bad guys. You don't need it that much. You can be a lot more complex than that. You don't need your stories to be so flat, kind of flat. Flat organisation into good guys and bad guys. Um, you can go more complex than that. I feel like they could do that here. That's cool. And uh, after the match, Charlie Caruso interviews the new champions. They reiterate that they don't like each other. And Jax just jumps about cheering and is like, Hey, I've got the champion. Hey, I'm champion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a storyline that's continuing. But I care so much more about the other one that it's quite difficult to properly analyse Jackson Baszler because in comparison to the feud they're working with, it's like, yeah, but the other ones had so many months of great work that is now they're capitalising upon, whilst your feud I don't really care about right now because it's in its infancy. And, yeah. <laughs> but again, Baszler painted like a badass. She won the belts and you've got that storyline of Nia Jax is cheering, like she's going all over the place, like I'm a tag team champion, she's going to really rub it in. Uh, she's got the championship when it was Baszler who did it all, did all the work in the end. So you know the champions, it's not a it's not an unlikely duo who then worked together and did really well together because in the end it was just Baszler. Yeah, next up, Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. This one was much hyped about, and is this the last match I'm talking about? No, because there's Mysterio Rollins. I said penultimate for the women's match. I forgot. In my notes as well, I forgot Dominic and Ray versus Seth and Murphy. I had to go back and add it in. But let's change the picture. Hey guys, I remembered. Let's change the picture. If I can bloody find it, because my eyes are pretty blurry. Because <laughs> it is uh, 20 to 4 in the morning. Right. Oh, God, look through the camera. Yeah, my eyes are half shut. <laughs> right, so, uh, Keith Lee. Let's address the things that have been criticisms first. Awesome uh, Wakanda-themed entrance gear on Big Keith. Uh, I did see quite a lot of people... Be like, oh, his, his gear's got worse. And I was looking at this going, no, pretty certain that's a Wakanda thing. So, um, yeah, that's uh, obviously with what happened this weekend, over this week. Uh, that's yeah, kind of cool to see that. Uh, still a shame they've got him covering up uh, his body uh, and with a generic create and wrestler theme. Uh, but that wasn't going to be fixed in a week in WWE anyway. Like, at least he's wearing shorts this time. Baby steps. <laughs> like in terms of like the weird presentation changes since he got called up, I'll eventually get used to the theme, which sucks. I'd like it to be changed to something else because I really liked how with him singing the theme and everything, it really adds to his character. It doesn't have to be a CFO dollar sign one, but it can. But if it's Keith Lee singing it, that really adds to him as a character. Um, but for like, but like, he has such a unique look. That adds so much to him, and in terms of like, get, it's one of the reasons it's so easy to get behind him is when you what, but to cover him up, they like, see it screams that this is just a weird Vince thing. Like he's got to cover up because he doesn't have that six pack shape. I'm gonna push him as a big as a big main event guy, or at least a threat to be taken. So therefore, you can't see that he's not a guy with awesome massive muscles. Right, <laughs> and it's this weird Vince thing. Be awesome to put it. Keith Lee seems he's handled it really well. I would say on social media, Keith Lee, 
just uh, like guys let me handle it and yeah because it's an odd mix where they've made some presentation changes that are just weird and seemingly to me take away from the character and make it feel a bit less unique but at the same time giving him an absolutely massive push and getting really behind him and having him beat the heel who's been doing the best <laughs> in terms of pure consistency over this especially this lockdown period I guess this year as well because of his feud with Edge it's like yeah they're giving him an absolutely massive kind of thumbs up whilst also making weird changes to his presentation it's an odd mix they're clearly behind him and that might be the WWE thing because again that was the Roman Reigns issue of we're clearly behind you but then they overthink it and make changes that aren't necessarily a bit weird uh, I can understand the theme though. The theme apparently was they don't want CFO dollar new don't want new CFO dollar sign themes coming in, uh, which I think will be unfortunate for Mia Yim because I think that was one of their last ones. So she, I don't know what she'll change it to. Uh, Orton's been an, on an absolute roll this year, just all year long, and uh, he in the match he was chopping Keith Lee while shouting that he demands respect. Uh, but the limitless man's got his own chops. He's got big old chops of his own the two hand palm ones, which is why I highly recommend Keith Lee versus Walter. <laughs> this happened on Independence. It's one of the matches I was watching when you can see quite a few people online would just say, gosh, why are you watching your tiny people doing your stupid flips on the indies? Like, stick with that crap. Stick with your crappy tiny tiny people on the indies. I'm sitting here watching Keith Lee versus Walter. <laughs> not exact. Just a little bit, you know, not in line with that line of, <laughs> thought it's like yeah if you actually watched the indies in the year 2018 yeah yeah Keith Lee Walter <laughs> not exactly and the Tomohiro Ishii also came over to the UK so yeah uh, yeah 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 a bit of the big lads <laughs> it got taken over a bit uh, anyway so Keith Lee sent Orton down with his big old double chop uh, a nice statement like even if he was soon thrown into the corner post and subsequently dropped onto the announce table uh, yeah, oh well. Uh, followed by uh, followed by a nice panning shot of the Thunderdome. Sorry, of the Thunderdome as Orton drains the big man's energy with a headlock. Oh yeah, mighty headlock. Uh, Lee exploding back in, sending Orton flying out of the ring with a pounce. Uh, commentators put it over as really impressive uh, before dropping Orton himself onto the announce table. Payback's a pay-per-view. Uh, the pattern repeats itself though. Keith Lee shows some awesome fire right before Orton uses his veteran edge to catch him and drop him. Uh, Orton goes to close things out but Lee catches him and powers him high up damn high with the spirit bomb for the win and a huge win for the new NXT call-up. It's water in his eyes as he celebrates the moment. Anger all over Orton. Uh, he got caught and really wasn't ready for what Lee was throwing. Careful, Keith Lee, <laughs> on Monday Night Raw. When this happened to Orton before, he doesn't take it well. Like Winning the first match in a, I guess a run against a big name in WWE doesn't always bode you well come the end of it. Uh, that's for me when I said I'd come back to like the question from earlier. This is what I kind of mean. Kevin Owens is a great example. He and Rusev, and that's what is John Cena, but they won the first two matches and then lost the feud overall. Uh, the worry is that happens. Like they, and that, can, that elevates them, but then also doesn't make them a star. That Which is a bit of a shame. And it, maybe you can, the second feud, do something, but they lost the feud. And with Keith Lee, Orton, I feel like the thing that can save Keith Lee is McIntyre coming back and Orton immediately goes back to that and can't address Keith Lee. So therefore, Keith Lee never gets... There's never that opportunity to book Randy Orton to win the feud over Keith Lee if you don't finish it. 
if that makes so I think that makes sense, yeah. But yes, water in his eyes and he celebrates it. A big moment for Keith Lee. And in the midst of the talk about the weird presentation changes, they're really getting behind him. And it's an XT call-up who's been made to feel like a huge deal, which is why I'm comparing him to Rusev or KFN Owens to begin with. Like, he's been given such a huge, momentous kind of first impression. Uh, and that was after he got big moments at Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, which I don't always count as, like, legitimate things, purely because... Like, rarely do does the canon from the character that's in there carry over to when they actually get called up. Uh, but here, yeah, all down for it. Great. <laughs> it was. But the main point here, really, is that it was only six minutes. Like, it didn't really get much time. And it felt like Randy Orton, because it was only six minutes, it felt like he could have been caught off guard in that period of time. Uh, and Randy, um, it came from Randy Orton trying to go for the RKO. And he just pushed him away and powered him up for the bomb. Like... Is it like it was a mistake from Orton not taking Keithy seriously? Now he will. So even if yeah, I'd still have Keithy either win the feud or you don't finish the feud. You go with the New Japan route. You did your big match, then you kind of build up till they meet again. And when they do eventually clash, it's like, well, this time this happened. Even though he's the legend. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, before I cover the last match, another sip of water. Big sip. Big boss it. Awesome for the podcast listeners. Uh, backstage, Kayla stops Paul Heyman's pleasant walk. He confirms Reigns will be in the main event tonight. Uh, once again says it's a spoiler that Roman will be leaving with the Universal Championship tonight. And it was. Because it's easy to say it at this point. And the final match of the night. Bang. Dominic Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins and no first name Murphy. It's the tag match. <laughs> I was about to, say, about to hype it up. It's the did the match. No, it's just the tag match. Yeah, their match on Raw got a fair amount of time, even if the ending was interrupted. So this does feel like a match I saw very, very recently. Because I have. <laughs> like this Monday. After watching Dominic versus Ray last Sunday. So even though this match was good, uh, obviously struggled a tad to definitely get into it. Because uh, I put it on Twitter that like I've been exhausted watching this show <laughs> because I, uh, I no, it normally takes me like just over a week to recover from the double whammy late nights. As in, I can do a one late night and maybe I'll be out of it for like Monday, maybe Tuesday, and then I'll be fine. But two, where it's got takeover, then the pay per view, that takes me like a week and a bit to be back to normal. And uh, this week's been pretty busy as it is. But then uh, payback's back, and it's like, oh, I just, I'd like. <laughs> And this time for SummerSlam, I genuinely really did exhaust myself by putting together a big animation video thing. So I was like, yeah, I was genuinely <laughs> so exhausted watching this. Um, so that, yeah. And the fact this match happened recently, like, it, it, for me, I didn't fully pay attention until the end. I was making my notes and things, so that kind of helps. But anyway, uh, no hood Dominic. That got a lot of praise. Uh, looking great once again. Uh, Rollins playing the role of being annoyed he's getting caught by the rookie so damn well. Uh, the father and son teamwork getting some real spotlight in the early going. Uh, Ray possibly showing a tad too much emotion uh, in a match that probably would have helped to have cooler heads. Just like trying to call in Seth Rollins to get into the match so he can fight him. Uh, Dominic ended up taking a lot of the offence, which may have been the consequence of Rey Mysterio kind of getting emotional in his early going. Too focused on getting revenge at him, rather than making sure his son would be alright. Because for a bit he wasn't. <laughs> he didn't need to get destroyed. Uh, but Dominic continuing to impress. 
But boy, was Dominic up against the odds, uh, showing some real aggression in launching both Murphy and Rollins into the barricade. And eventually, Ray was finally able to fly, and the match entered such a quick back and forth, like a sequence of Murphy taking down Ray, Dom with the spinning DDT off the ropes to Murphy, Rollins with the sling bait to Dom, and Ray then charges into Rollins. Uh, a great shot after that as well, with Murphy and Dominic fighting on the outside as the veterans fall inside the ring. Mysterio uh, ducking a Seth Lariat to then dive through the ropes out onto Murphy to then tie together. Uh, that was great. Uh, the, that fire cut out quick with a double knees catching Ray out of mid-air from Rollins. And that's kind of went with a bit for the quick pace. Just when you think, oh, now it's swung to the babyface side. Nope, Rollins back in it again. And Rollins really was kind of swinging it back in favour for his team. Uh, like swinging momentum in a really strong way, like countering Ray again and again, with Dominic making the save at the last moment. So again, a nice little father-son story there as well, where it's Dominic making the save for Ray. Uh, so, like, obviously the heels then take Dominic down <laughs> after he does that, throwing both Mysterios into the barricades on the opposite side of the ring. Rollins orders Murphy to kick Ray in the head. He obliges, but Mysterio reverses, and Seth gets the kick. Uh, Seth to the outside, Ray slouting out and into a powerbomb to the barricade. Uh, that spot looks great when you time it right. Uh, Dom with a 619 to Murphy and fog splash from the top rope. Dominic Mysterio gets the win. Father and son celebrate in the ring whilst on the ramp, Rollins eyes Murphy in anger before walking off to the entranceway without, without him. And he looks back down the ramp, pissed as hell, as Ray and Dominic celebrate in the ring. So yeah, this was a nice, I guess this was, if you're going to cut off the main event on Raw, then this is fine. So yeah, this is, yeah, it, it, like, this will be the, the fun main event that would have been a really hot way to end the show on, <laughs> on Monday. Uh, but you've got to do your, your Retribution angle, because Retribution are going after Raw, and they went to spend on the first week, but weren't on it this week, but they haven't touched SummerSlam or... Uh, payback, that's what this is called. <laughs> Someone's over payback. So, I guess the final note is, Retribution, what is? What is Retribution? <laughs> I still don't know. I'm waiting for the direction. It doesn't have to be reveals, but I have to feel like they've at least got a purpose and then kind of know what they're going for because we're coming in to attack the establishment and it's kind of like, well, there aren't authority figures anymore in WWE. So what's establishment? <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's a interesting one. And then the main event, which will be like the main point that's being talked about, the main event of Roman Reigns becoming the Universal Champion. <laughs> and uh, that'll be the end of the show this week. I'm going to go to bed. I really want to go to bed. <laughs> it's almost 4am. I've got to make the podcast version after this goes off air. So thank you to everybody for listening. What did you make of Payback? What did you think of Roman Reigns being the new Universal Champion, and I timed that with uh, me doing the ooh, 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 on the preview box, which is like half a minute behind me. <laughs> so that was amazing. Uh, anyway, I will be back for the Raw review on Tuesday and the NXT review. Do not forget the NXT airs Tuesday night, so I'll be with the NXT review on Wednesday. That means that I'll be going live whilst NXT's on. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'll try and be done by one before it starts. <laughs> Just dawn on me that might not be a good idea. But I can't delay it because I'm English. And I can't do it too early because like, nobody will watch it. <laughs> Which was the issue with NXT this week. Went, went live way too early. Anyway, 
yeah, I need to sign off now. I'm babbling because I need to go. Uh, but what did you think of Roman Reigns as the new champion? Did you agree that it was done relatively well? But what about the rest of the card? I saw quite a few people being really positive about the entire show. But for me, at the first half of it, I was really struggling to really get into it and pay attention. But the added caveat for that is I'm watching that on English time and I am knackered. <laughs> I am going to, going into this tired. So if you give me kind of a good TV match quality, I'm, I'm going to zone out. That's that, yeah, that's that. Anyway, thank you for listening. Don't forget to tell me we made a payback. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. <laughs>